0: Hello and welcome to the Cycle Breaker Parents Unite podcast with me, Laura Linklater, the podcast for thoughtful, conscious-minded parents who want to break the cycles from their difficult childhood, end the cycles of arguing or disconnect in their family relationships and unlock the dream parent inside them so they can show up for their family and for themselves from a place of love and joy. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cycle Breaker Parents Unite podcast, and I have the wonderful Deirdre McGuire here. Hi, Didri. Hello, my love. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm so happy to have you back on. So this is uh, this is three, the the third in in our series, and today Didri is being. Oh, she's being even more wonderful than usual because Deidre is being the first of my new series of case study cycle breakers because what a lot of people don't realize when you know when they're parents or even if they're not parents but they don't realize that if they have cycles and they become vaguely aware of them sometimes even if they're not but even when we start to become aware of the cycles that we're repeating and things that were passed down to us from either our parents or family members or society or school even often people feel that they can't break it that they can't get out and so what I'm doing because there are so many examples of people who have broken their cycles and move forward and actually turned it into a a story of strength of you know magical wonder of how they change their narrative and I, I think one of the things that might help cycle breaker parents listening is to hear the stories of other people. And Deirdre, thank you so much for, for honoring us, honoring us with your story. I think you're so, you'll probably hate this, but I really think you are so brave and powerful and strong, and that we all have this strength inside us and hopefully we can learn from you. So Deirdre, would you mind please telling us your your cycle and your your story?
1: Well, I'd be delighted to because this is, you know, what I say, Laura, is that my personal journey has become my professional passion. Okay. And, um, I actually get paid because of my story today and I get paid very well. Thank you. And I, you know, I help a lot of people. And, um, so, um, today I'm 65. I've never been older. I've never been fitter. I've never been happier. You know, I just finished a hellish workout this morning at the, uh, CrossFit infected the, uh, local CrossFit gym. And, um, and, at the core of my being, I believe that happiness, peace, um, mindset management, you know happiness and peace people go, oh God, what is that? What does that mean? But mindset management um, is a skill. and uh, um, so if um, telling you my story, you know, like I work with lots and lots of people and uh, it's really interesting how they perceive me, because they say, you know, oh, yeah, but that's okay for you, dear J. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they think that you're uh, a
0: magical unicorn who broke exactly. their cycle, but the
1: rest of us are doomed. And actually, we're not. We're not. Oh, God. You know, if you'd met me 20, 30 years ago, my best coping skills were, you know, like alcohol. Um, you know, I used to start the day mm-hmm. with, um, you know, get up late um, with a headache, um, have a cigarette, a cup of coffee, wash, maybe or not. You know, or maybe just quick cat lick and a squirt of deodorant to get myself to work so that I would be standing in work, and um, and by eleven o'clock I was taking two more um, you know, Tylenol, paracetamol, whatever you want to call them, but and that's how that that was my normal. I didn't think there was anything wrong with that because I thought that was as good most, as it I is. Know, Well, Maybe not most,
0: but it's what a lot of people do, isn't it? I've certainly been there. Definitely when I had three very small children. Like I had three three kids under age four. <laughs> I was just propped up on caffeine and staying up all night, messing around on my phone. And, and then, you know, at the weekend having a glass of wine and none of it, none of it was helping. you know, I was saying, oh, this is my treat. This is my treat. And actually it wasn't serving me because it was making me more tired and yeah. everything was harder. <laughs>
1: yeah and today I love it I love discipline and if I tell I'll tell you a bit about my story you know I, my story was wrapped around discipline um I'm Irish Catholic um I went to a boarding school so I was raised by nuns you know I was educated in primary school by nuns um uh, grammar the most, school by the most nuns. Irish story ever <laughs> so I have so discipline and I so then I balked against discipline and um, so as soon as I got out and got away then discipline I wanted nothing to do with discipline and today I you know completely turned that around and I understand the gift of discipline and you know I actually choose to call it devotion you know I heard this from some an, another um life coach and I thought that is a really good a, a word for it. It describes, you know, I am disciplined. I am I devote to myself to myself. Uh, and that's why I'm in the gym at you know 5:15 this morning because I'm devoted to myself. You know discipline you know, is I, it. I think the the initial
0: you know you were talking about being that at school and nuns that's I think a lot of people have called that discipline but to my mind that kind of of it's control it's it's exactly. control dressed up as discipline like that was the word that was more commonly used in you know pre I often talk about you know the 80s parenting because a lot of my you know my parents that I work with were born in the 70s 80s or kids in the 70s 80s and 90s and and part of it is is that word discipline is taking it back and changing it and saying no discipline can be like you said, devotion it's a completely different way or or leading, guiding, supporting, you know, like with your disciples around you discussing things. But the dis- discipline, I'm doing a bunny ears around that inverted commas for people on the podcast. that As it was, as we think of it in general is actually control and it's coercion by people who are bigger using exactly. things like bribes and punishments and rewards and, yeah. and all kinds of things. It's,
1: yeah, we get to but, change it. Part of us, but
0: self-discipline,
1: uh, self-discipline is beautiful when you yeah. um reward yourself and you have consequences and the only one you're actually held accountable to is yourself not your parents not santa there's a classic oh. santa if you're a good girl if you're a good boy you know you you'll get something so, we so um this is how i tell my story um You know, according to the British Mental Health Foundation, one in three of us are suicidal because of stress. Three out of four of us experience feelings of being unable to cope. So I wonder how you would feel if you got a phone call to tell you that someone you love more than anything else had just taken their own life. Uh, That's what happened to me. My darling father, my hero, my mentor, outwardly, a successful and generous businessman, but inwardly unable to cope with the pain of his past, gradually he fell victim to daily alcohol abuse. And in the end, a tortured soul, he went with the only option left to him and took his own life. And I had made it my mission to save my dad. And so that meant that I had failed. And he was 72, I was 40, and that was the lowest point in my life. But what I say is, what if the lowest point is actually the turning point? Um, You know, the days and weeks and months that followed my father's death were an emotional blur, you know, hurtling from sadness to anger to even my own suicidal thought. But always one constant. Why? Why? Why searching for that answer? Why did my father have to die? Is death the only option to unmanageable emotions? And you know, I searched and searched, and finally I got the answer, and um, I became a life coach. I remember and, the why. I remember the why. I,
0: I I talk about it a lot. I haven't done a podcast on it, but to your story, it absolutely mirrors mine. The, the, the same a, a dad who struggled with life. We yes. think he maybe had an a, a un, a unclassified learning difference. We think he may have been autistic. We're not sure. We don't know his, his past history. And he slipped into daily alcohol. He was a functional alcoholic. So he would go to work, come home, drink all night, and then somehow, somehow get up yeah. and go to work. Yeah. And eventually he did the same when I was uh, 28. Did exactly yeah. the same. Got to a point where he just couldn't see a way out. And took yeah. his own life and i remember when me and you were talking about this and, we, and i was like how 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 are we in the same
1: path this is amazing and i mean that such is the sacred the synchronicity of life that we actually that's the fascinating thing for those who are listening or watching you know we accidentally collided yeah. and but there is no When you really have a new understanding of life and when you begin to trust life again, so when something like that happens, like I'm the Mm -hmm. eldest of five and my parents were good people, they worked hard, they wanted the best for us, they sent me to boarding school, they wanted the best, but they did not have emotional coping skills and uh, so the, the trust is ruptured. You know, we come into the world, we're perfect. Every baby comes into the world perfectly, but we come into an imperfect world. And when I say that, I mean our primary caregivers, our parents, our our teachers, our culture. And uh, totally. And then, um, you know, and I truly believe today that we are emotional dinosaurs. You know, we've got the phones, we've got the digital, we've got the, you know, fill in the blank, all the gadgetry. You know, I often share laugh like we don't even have to wind the window up anymore, and you're too young to, under, to remember this, Laura. But I remember flipping, winding the window up, and you don't have to do. It. You just hit that in the button. We don't have anything to do. Like, I mean, when was the last time you shopped in the middle of the night? I the last time I shopped in the middle of the night was two nights ago, because I woke early and I was thinking that there was something I needed to buy. I went online, I purchased a flipping epilator. And I, and, I, and I was laughing to myself, you know, I wake up at eight o'clock in the morning, I was shopping in the middle of the night. Now, it is something that I needed to do. It, is, it was on my list. It wasn't, you know, I know when you're shopping, I know all about the addiction of shopping. This is not the addiction of shopping. This is the gift of all the things that we have available to us today in our modern day existence. But it's no use to us if we haven't mastered the emotions the emotions around life. And that's what my journey, my as I say, my personal journey became my professional passion. But like it wasn't over. I became a life coach, a master practitioner. I had helped myself first and then I was helping others. And then, you know, as I say, I remember the first time I got paid by a client and I, you know, I pinned the check to my notice board and I said out loud, what do you think of that, Da? Uh, And I swear to God, I heard him say, Deirdre, have I taught you nothing about cash? (laughs) And then a weirdly special gift arrived, and it was not from Amazon. Uh, It was cancer. I had a cancer diagnosis. Um, A lump on my neck was diagnosed as cancer, and it came complete with an 18-month prognosis. You know, and what I remember most is not that I was going to die. I was 56 years of age. What I remember most is that I had not lived... That stress, the posh word for fear, had been driving my life just like my father before me. So, here was the time, now was the time for me to put my money where my mouth was, to step up, you know, and really activate and and implement the skills that I had been learning and teaching. And, And so I did. You know, cancer gave me the opportunity to say yes to my truth that we absolutely can have control over our mind, our body, and most of all, our spirit. You know, I said yes to the surgery and I actually said no to the chemotherapy and radiation, because in my heart, for me, this is not about chemotherapy or radiation. Whatever you believe to be true is true for you.
0: Yeah.
1: It's such a personal journey, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Personal journey. And for me, I, I, was saying yes to my truth that i knew what was driving my life were my emotions and what what we believe to be true um is true for us so you must get into alignment with your own truth and if your truth at the minute is you know i'm not good enough i'm i'm not clever enough i'm not a good enough parent oh my god if i had a penny for every client that I've worked with, who every parent who thinks I'm not a good enough parent, and then they beat themselves up with guilt, and then they're caught and trapped in a cycle. Do you know, and it's, it's interesting because I
0: I had to go through a similar thing because I am a parenting mentor. I support other parents to parent, and I am one myself. And I've had I had to battle with that. Like, who am I to be helping others? Who am I? And and you know, my husband said, "You're a person with three degrees in the field." You know, you're a person with real life experience but the it took me it took me a year from having my idea of my coaching packages and my support to actually start doing it and and then it's really interesting because sometimes I know that I, and I don't use this word lightly sometimes I know I just, that I okay. triggered some things in other people you know when I when people might respond you know I say something about you know certain types of praise and and ways that that um, you know, offering rewards—you know, if you do this, I'll give you a reward—and I say, you know, that's kind of the same as a punishment. If they don't, if if you you know, if they don't do their homework and they don't get the reward, and uh, and sometimes that's particularly controversial, despite the science behind it or the psychology behind it. And people will will say, "Well, who are you? Are you the best parent? Do you never raise your voice at your children?" I say, oh, "I do, of course I do. I'm a human being, and sometimes I'm very tired." And I know that I am good enough as a parent because I know that I will learn from that experience and then try not to repeat it the next time, you know, or take my lessons and and heal the rupture with my children. And I understand about, you know, the global picture of relationships with children and, you know, spouse and other people. We don't need to be perfect. And to be able to, to, to kind of stand in your power and say, I don't need to be perfect and I am enough it can really set off the people around us, can't it?
1: That, that, that absolutely is the if, core. If they're not feeling it, it's quite intimidating. Yes. And that's why that's the core of what's driving all of it. Because the, 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 the um, you, you know, the if, implemental effect of getting that bit right, you know, that you're always doing your best. And sometimes your best is better than others. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and 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 you, you that's as good. I was working with a client on Saturday. I was working with the client and uh, he had been unfaithful. Okay, he had, in his words, cheated. I don't really like that word. He cheated on his partner and it was destroying his relationship now because even though the partner absolutely loved him, he could never get away from the fact that he had cheated three years ago on a night out. And that was his secret and that, but... What was he doing in his head with that information? So I was able to help him. I was able to re um, respect that incident. In other words, see it from a different perspective. And when I said to him, when we went back to it and I said, why did you do it then? And we got to the bottom of it. And the bottom of it was that he was looking for love, that he was afraid that his partner was going to leave him. So when he had the opportunity to be with somebody else, he couldn't turn it down. And so he did it. Now, what happened is still the same. He still had a night with another human being, okay? So what happened hasn't changed. But what has changed is how he saw it. And he skipped out of here. He said, I I can't, I feel so lighter, so much lighter because I now see it. From a different perspective. So what does that mean? What are you believing in any given moment? What do I believe about myself in and this it's moment? It's so easy to launch into the the big, you know, the
0: the blame, like I'm this, I am this, I failed, I am an awful person. It's and, and also, you know, that's the message that you get from society. And that stops people yes. from doing the work in healing their relationships or, you know, making their big choices. I guess. Well, our consumer
1: society today is built on that. I mean, yeah, it's built you on, on, you know, your inadequacies. And the more inadequate you feel, the more I can sell you something. Oh, so I love that, you, you know, that
0: thing of like, if we, if we all woke up tomorrow, all the women in the world love their bodies, how many
1: businesses would go bankrupt? A lot. In a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, you know. Yeah. So when... Um, when you know the step one is awareness, when you waken up and, you know, this is what I say, the wound is where the light gets in, because when you like, like that client who came to me on Saturday and he was at the lowest point, And as soon as they come through my door, you know, I just say, you will never have that to do again. That's the hardest thing you've ever had to do. Getting to my door is the hardest thing. And once you've that done, now there's no going back. Now I've got your back. I can help you. I can show you, and that's what excites me because I actually can help people because I know how the mind and body works. Yeah, there then is a I- huge thing. There is a huge thing for you know people listening. Cycle
0: breaker parents, maybe people who know, you know, I'm holding on to stuff from my upbringing. I'm holding on to stories. I know that I'm repeating the same thing, or maybe I, you know, I, I yell at my children, and I know I don't want to, but I still keep doing it. You can break the cycle. I do it with people, I've done it with myself, Deirdre does it with people, she's done it with themselves. It, It is possible and it is possible for you, whoever you are listening
1: to this, wherever you are, however old you are, it is possible. So, so let's just let's just talk about that one, Laura. Who who is sitting at home thinking, ah yes, it works for everybody else, mm. but not me. My yeah. particular shit, and that's what I call it, because I have no respect for the story I do not and that's what makes me good I do you are respect, you are holding your story on the altar of you know pain uh, guilt and shame your story is up on the altar and Did you're it, would very, you, every day you would know you want sharing that
0: thing of, of some of there was a time that we talked about another time when we weren't recording a podcast where you said that you, you had a story and you'd gone to somebody to get it challenged and then you found yourself defending no I am a failure I am a failure I have a piece of paper it says look at me would that's you mind right. sharing
1: that like that, that's yeah, so how that we are with our own stories uh, it's uh, it, that's right it, it's actually so it ties in so well with um, um, our story today because um, I was um, challenged I knew that I needed to have some help and I'm and clever enough now at this work to know when i need to go to someone else coaches oh, yeah. need coaches i okay? have a coach right now i have
0: a mentor right now and i i, I need her
1: i can't do it so all i time. was with um, i was with this coach and, and it was actually around finances you know what were my beliefs about i couldn't make money no matter how hard i worked i couldn't make money and uh, so this girl was offering a package um ilka she's a girl in australia she's an amazing woman and uh, shout out to her, she's listening. And uh, uh, so I, I signed up for her packages. And um, so here we were, and I was in my session with her. And I um, you know, I couldn't make money. Why could I not make money? Well, I actually didn't deserve it. When we got down to the core, I could work hard. I, Oh yeah, I could do that. But to actually be rewarded, to actually make money and get what I want from it? No, no, no. Why? What was I believing? And the underlying belief was that I... I didn't deserve it and I didn't deserve it. Why? Because I had failed. Why? Because back in the day when my parents had sent me to boarding school and they had sacrificed so much, it cost money and we didn't have a lot of money. Uh, You know, I was the eldest of five. We lived above a shop and we didn't have, uh, you know, we were all in one room at one stage. That is the level of poverty we were at. And um, so here my parents had sent me to boarding school. Well, God, no pressure there. Right. So I had to do well. By the way, all our (laughs) eggs are in your basket. Off you go, darling. (laughs) So uh, I uh, and it was all with the best intentions. My mother and father wanted to give me what they didn't have. And uh, so here I am in school, and I don't do well enough. So fast forward, here I am. I can't make money. What's the reason? And it went back to them. And it went back to, um, I didn't do well enough in my exams. And uh, so Ilka, my friend said to me, so you're a failure. And I went, "Um, yeah, I am. And, you know, and then she said, but you're not, David. And I went, well, hold on. I have certificates (laughs) to prove that I'm a failure because I didn't do well enough. Respect my story, respect my story. (laughs) I am honoring (laughs) my story. And (laughs) don't you dare mess with it, you know? And this is what I do with my clients. I I know how to get their story. And then when we get it all together and they're just right about to launch into how awful it is, and then I can divert their thinking, I can change it, I can help them to see it differently. And then they're just laughing. They're like, you're kidding me, you know? I even, you know, I had, uh, I had a parent, an, a, a grandfather who had been, um, you know, an abuser. And he was the, now this, this girl had been to, she had spent thousands and thousands of dollars on working on this and this was her story. So she was bringing this to me. Now, don't get me wrong. I totally, I totally get it. I totally get it. But if I go into the same trance, you know, and see it um, from their perspective and stay, it does not serve my client. If I stay in the trance of the awful thing that happened. Now, what I know is how to gently, beautifully, uh, lovingly, redirect the thinking, redirect the thinking so that we go on a journey and we come at the end of the journey, we're laughing. We look back at it and go, what? So, right, it's all, oh, it's like being so a comedian. The, the the comic, the timing of it has to be perfect. Now, it may it may take me months to get there. For some people, it, it may take me months. Um, other people, it takes an hour, you know, that and we you- can reframe it so that it is not driving your life. Who you are is amazing, incredible, beautiful. You are a diamond, as I say. That's your source. You are life. You are not your story. You may have one. That is the and thing. We've all got them. You are not
0: your story. I, do, I think that's the title of the podcast, You Are Not Your Story. Um, exactly. Thank you. That's it. wonderful. It's uh, All of the things that you've said You do. you talked about it in your journey where you you changed yes. it that lowest point, and you said, "Okay, this is my turning point. Things change from here and and the, the individual stories with with clients that we would call this, I mean that's called forming a coherent narrative, and that's essentially making sense, making sense of the things that have gone by, particularly, I know we we talked about this a bit in podcast one, but about the 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 way that a lot of these stories, in fact, every single one that we were talking about, it's formed from juvenile eyes, especially at that age naught to 7 where, we're, you know, we're just soaking up everything and we're coming up with, with our views of the world and they get kind of set then. Or, you know, something happens when you're 10, your belief comes out there and it is set. And when you look at it again as an adult for the first time, sometimes, like you said, you can do it on your own sometimes I can spot my limiting beliefs sit down go through the processes that of course I teach my clients because I did the same you know I went through the, the process and said ah oh, I need to share this I need to stop other people feeling like I did I need to stop yeah. other parents being held back by this and and sometimes I can work it out other times I can't which is where yes. I would ring, you know, my, my coach and my mentor and say, look, I'm going around and around and around. And it, it's about looking at it with fresh eyes, isn't it? And, and saying, yeah. OK, actually, what I thought was true when I was six wasn't
1: true. Well, have amazing. you ever gone back to, have you ever gone back to, you know, like your my, I went back to my grandmother's house um, locally and I, the girl who lives in my grandmother's house now, I asked her if I could go and, you know, come yeah. into the house and visit it. And she said, of course, dearie. Oh, my God. I mean, when I was a child, this was the, my, you know, it was my safe haven, actually. And it was my wonderland in my, and then I went into this tiny little room. Yeah. It was tiny. <laughs> I thought, how did we all fit in here? It was such a small room and the, the front room, which was the good room, you know, that's where, actually I remember Santa used to come, Santa used to deliver the presents there. And that's why I loved that room. And oh my God, <laughs> this room. it was tiny. And this is the same with memories, okay? Yeah. And this is well, what yeah,
0: I say. Yeah, they seem so big and scary and then,
1: oh. Well, you see, what we believe about life is based on our proofs and our proofs are our memories and memories this is what i say memories are recorded information from a distorted point of view memories are recorded information from a distorted point of view because they are from the perspective of the child and when we can reframe them we don't change what's happened but we change how we see what's happened okay and when we do that you know, I can look at my mother, my father, a lot of the time, my father was very angry man. It was very frightening, it was very scary. And um, when now I can reframe him in my head. And I don't know if you're ready for this one, Laura, but this is a big one, okay? The, the thought of your father is not your father. Yeah. The thought of your father in your head is not your father. One evening, my sister and I were out walking. It was about a year after my mother's death. And uh, we were out for a walk and she was going on, talking on about mommy and talking, 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 talking. And I wanted her to stop talking about it. She was talking about the sadness of it. And in my head, I didn't want to go to that sadness because it didn't serve me to stay in that sadness. And then suddenly I had this aha moment where I realized The thought of my mother is not my mother. My mother's dead. My mother is in the grave. The thought of my mother in my sister's head is hers. The thought of my mother in my head is mine. The thought of the parent, the thought is not the person. If it was the person, we're stuck, we're trapped, we're caught, we're doomed, okay? But when you realize that it's like a hologram and that you can change it. You can actually, this is what I do in the deeper work with with my clients. I say, you know, say the abusive parent who beat the child every day or whatever. And ultimately, now it's not done overnight. It is a process, but ultimately we get to the point where we have released the pain, the hurt and we can say, now, what would dad have done if he could have? If he had all the emotional intelligence that we have access to today, if he had had that, what would he have done? And yes. actually, he would have done something different. So we change it in our mind. We, we often
0: judge those people in retrospect, don't we, with the the skills that we have now. And, and you know, they didn't have that, you know, 20 years ago, nobody was talking about this stuff, were they? it was so new and now it's relatively common it's certainly this is the great thing about this podcast isn't it it's free it's yep. free for us to do it's free to put out it's free for people to listen and then I truly believe this is the point of the the podcast and the the other stuff I do like on Instagram is that the everything that we put out somebody can listen to and go aha <laughs>
1: <Exactly>. <laughs> these,
0: these are free but say say 20 years ago you, you were you were either very very rich and you could go and see someone or you weren't and you were stuck and actually it's not the case now you know it can be like a few hundred quid and you can be well and yeah you know yeah you have to pay because it's not all on the nhs but it's it's possible it is possible I, I know i keep saying that but it's possible um you you said something deirdre that made me think we've actually covered all the points that um i want to, i love i love how we do this in our chat you have some resources because I know I signed up to it last week uh because I know people are going to be listening to this obviously the people who listen to this are cycle breaker parents or people with cycles to break who are becoming parents soon or some I'd actually have a whole I have a whole load of very very awesome grannies (laughs) which is wonderful it's just wonderful to see them um so if, if they're kind of at this point where they're, you know, they're listening to everything, they've like dropped their pen and they're going, aha, the thought of my dad, not my dad. Um, where do we go next? Because, you know, all of my links are in the, the show notes, so they could just click through, join me in the Facebook group. I have an invite that uh, after our podcast for that. So how can people, how can people follow you? And could you share, please, a bit about your, is it stress? Stress, stress solutions. Food? Thank you. I didn't want to get it wrong. Stress solution.
1: You're okay, my love. Okay. So um, I have a few things. Um, So first of all, deirdremcguire.com. You can go to my website, deirdremcguire.com or the stress solution system.com. So the stress solution system is a consolidation of my, it's an eight week online program. That's a consolidation of 20 years of my work. And uh, we run the stress solution system, um, we're on our third we've just we're in the middle we're actually just finishing our second run and we're going to be running another one in March April um, so uh, that's very uh, very successful um, I have um, my Instagram is deirdre.mcguire. you can go there um, my YouTube channel is, all loads of free content is wisdom of Ireland youtube.com I should say I'll put all of this is going to be in the show notes so people can click through it. forward slash wisdom of Ireland, all one word. And uh, I also I'm on Facebook and I have a a private membership Facebook group uh, called the Freedom Community. And you can join us there. It's like, you know, it's like a price of a a cup of coffee a week um, for membership. And uh, we have a community of like-minded people in there. And uh, yeah, so I have lots of free stuff and I have lots of paid stuff. And I do also do uh, one-on-one private consultations. And so all that information is on my website. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, but the most important thing is be nice to you, be kind to you, um, you know, break that cycle in your head, Okay, break the cycle in your head. It is not who you are; it's a story you're telling yourself, and it you, it's very justified. You know, you learned your story to survive. You you know, uh, it you, kept you safe.
0: So to- so you know, when people talk about the ego, often they use those negative terms like, "Oh yeah, his ego," you know, the, the fragile ego. But actually, the, the ego is is our. If we think of it not in the Freudian terms, if we change the word to the subconscious, that's what I often do because otherwise, you are in Let's psychoanalysis and yes. psychodynamics and that's its whole all, all home bubble, its whole own bubble. But if we think of it as the subconscious protective mechanism, that's a completely absolutely. different reframe. It's protecting absolutely. you by not well, go to podcast two if you're interested in that. Because
1: we yes, absolutely absolutely
0: Deirdre, thank you so much. And I really hope that everyone who's listening hopefully can see one how passionate we are, and that it is possible to change these cycles because it really, really is. Thank you so
1: much.
0: And hopefully it will. Thank
1: you. (laughs) And thank you, Laura, for everything you're doing and for your your passion. It was such... You know, as I, I talk about sacred synchronicities, when you start to move, live from a different frequency, mm. you know, when you live from a different frequency, then the, your world improves. And this is why we connected, because we were on the same frequency. We did not know. I just want to, I really think this is so important that listeners and viewers understand this that, you know, I went onto a Facebook page, Laura went onto a Facebook page. It was, you know, uh, find a guest, be a guest. And I just literally looked down and I thought, yes, there, yes and I looked a bit about what she was saying and I thought yeah that connects so then I connect with her then Laura connects with me and then we start talking and we both yeah, have like, a story own lives. yeah through alcoholism and we yeah. help people break cycles and it's like
0: <gasps> <laughs> it's true so this- it's like I found that more and more in the last so definitely the last two years where I start I stopped kind of delicately holding myself back and 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 taking like dipping yes. a toe in the water and then i went gee you know i'm doing it and i have met so many beautiful people
1: it, yeah. yeah yes And it dip, dip, your, dip your toe into the sea of uncertainty and you have no idea what will show up and uh, uh and it's very very understandable if you're afraid but go to the edge of your comfort zone change this is what i say to my clients change is just unfamiliar yeah. it's okay to change change has to if if change wasn't unfamiliar it wouldn't be change <laughs> <Yes>. okay <laughs> otherwise it wouldn't be change so go for it and uh you can have the quality of life that laura and i have and it's fun you get to make it up <laughs> as you go along
0: and meet wonderful people it's great I thank you so much it.
1: and we are sending
0: you lots and lots of love in the world everybody thank you thank you Mary. <laughs> bye. take care bye, bye. If you've enjoyed this episode please do make sure that you subscribe so that you get future episodes delivered to you and i would love it if you were able to leave a review because these things really do matter if you'd like to know more i am going to extend a really warm invite to you to join us over on facebook in the cycle breaker parents unite group The links are all in the show notes and you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook.